Hello and welcome to the September edition of the Xcoders Community Podcast. I'm Jared Sorge, and this month I'm joined by Joe Heck. How's it going, Joe? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hanging in there. You have a long history with Xcoders. Uh, I'm curious, first of all, how'd you land in Seattle? Oh, okay. Back, 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 <laughs> back. 2000. Um, prior to 2000, I was working at the University of Missouri, Columbia, um, which uh, incidentally is where I got to know Gus Mueller. Um, oh, cool. And uh, he actually worked for me for a little bit. Um, long, long, long ago. Uh, <laughs> and I got sick of working at the university because it just didn't offer a whole lot of opportunity as I was advancing in what I was doing. So um, looked around for some various options and Karen said, well, hey, Karen's my wife. It said, if uh, you could go anywhere, where would you want to go? And I'm like, well, I was out at Seattle for a wedding and that was pretty cool. <laughs> so I came out here, uh, hooked up with some friends, got me to a job fair, came home with a couple job offers. This was just before the big dot-com bust in 2000. Um, oh, wow. And uh, got a job. And I had a job all the way through the bust and everything else. And there were some times when I wasn't sure it was going to work out staying in Seattle. I figured, you know, I could always go back if I need to. Mm -hmm. um, but we've been here since, and I have no intention of returning. Love That's it. That's really cool. Was that with a dot-com that you got a job or doing... The, yes, So 2000 actually. would have been before Coco and OS X. Uh, oh, yes. Well before. Um, it was... Uh, the company was called Singing Fish. Um, and it was singingfish.com. Um, <laughs> and it was a streaming media search engine uh, that was acquired by originally Thompson Multimedia, uh, which you probably know better as GEO Home Electronics or uh, ah. Thompson's a French manufacturer. Um, they didn't really do anything with it and ultimately sold off the assets and the company to AOL. Um, so I worked for AOL for a while uh, as a part of that overall transition, transitioned my out of a job myself out of a job and went on to other things. So I guess it was last year that Xcoders celebrated our 15th anniversary, which would make next month our 16th anniversary, if my math is correct. I know. Wild, isn't it? It's hard to believe it. But you are one of the founding members of Xcoders. So yeah. how did that come to be? And how did you get in? How did you go from web programming and into, at that point, Mac OS and Cocoa programming? Right. Uh, so I'd always been fairly interested in Mac OS and, and uh, Cocoa programming and Mac OS 10 had, <laughs> it was still what, eight and nine when this whole, when I moved out here, it was just making that transition to, you mm -hmm. know, a Unix based system and Aqua and all the rest of that. Um, and I had been uh, very actively involved when I was at the university in some special interest groups there for Apple. And I was looking for some like-minded people because I wanted to get more into doing some of the Cocoa programming and the books from the Big Nerd Ranch had come out. So we used that as a foil and, and you know, just spread the word, you know, who, who else might be interested. And a small group of us started to, to seed and form around. And a fellow by the name of George Storm, who is unfortunately no longer with us and myself, kind of mm. formed the nucleus of what would become Xcoders um, all those years ago. Uh, we That's started out cool. at the users group and then moved to the Apple store or vice versa. I'm not even sure that I'm remembering that all correctly. No, I started out <laughs> at the Apple store, then went to the users group. Ultimately, you know, moved around a lot from there. But that's how it all came to be. And you've been here ever since. Yes. Uh, although not active in Xcoders ever since, because I had to step away. I ran it for a good long time. Uh, and then I just um, burned myself out, to be honest, uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, I was wrapping up my tenure. I was working at Disney. 
um, and shifted off to a different kind of startup that was in the cloud space that was demanding a lot more of my time. So I had to mm -hmm. step away and you know pretty much handed the reins over at that point so that you know it continued on where you're now actively involved in it and many others. Uh, and I, I gotta say of all the things that I've built and done while I've been in Seattle, this organization is probably the crowning achievement of everything I've done, the longest lasting positive benefit of anything. That's super cool. I, I know for me, it's been the probably the most unexpected, joyful thing about getting into programming is meeting this community. So mm -hmm. thank you, because <laughs> it's been <laughs> awesome. Oh, it wasn't just me. It's it's the rest of the community altogether. And it's, it's had a, a flavor of that for years. I mean, some of the early uh, Mac programming dev communities weren't always as friendly, but uh, mm -hmm. there was a set of people that just sort of had this vibe about them that was very welcoming and opening. And I just really dug that. I wanted to continue that and drive it forward. And it was about mm -hmm. the same time that uh, Cocoa Heads was starting. We were starting yeah. in parallel. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And like the, the overall desire for everybody in the group to want to help each other out is it feels like it's something unique, especially in today's day and age where it doesn't really matter what your experience level is or any of your other background. If you've got a question that other people can help you with, they're going to help you. And that's just so phenomenal, uh, especially in today's culture. So I know I say this, I think on every episode, but I really miss getting together in person. <laughs> Me too. Oh man. Me too. And shout out for all the old timers, the Luau. I've still missed that deep in my heart i never got to go to the luau i was i got here <laughs> after cyclops was a thing cyclops is a joyous thing but luau was uh, in my heart is my favorite i think <laughs> i'm i'm getting my laptop refreshed at work and i i work at zuli again now um so i'm gonna be able to go in the next week or two down to the office to swap out my laptop and i'm hoping i can get some lunch at the cyclops i'm really excited for a cubano that's going to be a good nice. time. So one of the other things uh, that you've done more recently is you've been writing about Combine, Apple's reactive framework. And yeah. I'm curious about how you decided to, uh, or what interests you about Combine in particular, and how did you decide, hey, I'm going to start writing a book about it and, and get that published? I knew in general about reactive frameworks well before Apple published what they did with SwiftUI and Combine. And then they announced it and... It was overwhelming and I was excited and, oh my God, I can't believe this and started <laughs> digging into it. And I originally intended to actually write about Swift UI, but then I kind of went on this little side trip down the road of Combine because it was something I was a little more familiar with. Dug into it a little bit and realized, wow, the docs are kind of unfortunately anemic and there wasn't a whole lot of detail and a whole bunch of people are trying to use it that have never used it before, except for maybe mm -hmm. the Arc Swift guys. They they had a pretty good handle on it and they already had their own thing that they did that was there and that was mostly just a translation job for them. But there were some differences in there nonetheless. So I started mm -hmm. just kind of writing about it. I'd done publishing before, um, got a couple other published books in different fields and so forth. So I thought, well, I'll just start writing about it because that'll force me to learn it. And I wanted to learn it in depth. So I started digging into it from there. And it went from base examples to, you know, digging in and trying to make a, a real full reference documentation set that is the kind of mm. reference documentation that I want. Something that tells me what it is, where the gotchas are, how it works to whatever level I can. And I did it all by basically kind of trying to reverse engineer it, if you will, with a lot of unit mm. tests 
put that all in a repo, wrote it all up in ASCII doc and started giving it away. <laughs> and then uh, I sell the PDF and EPUB, but uh, only really to help pay for the editorial and diagramming time. And I got some volunteer diagramming work from other folks. And oh, it's cool. been it's been really fun. How's the response been on the whole to the project? Really positive. Uh, you know, it's not it's not making me any, oh my God, I'm going to quit my day job kind of stuff, but it made a few <laughs> pennies. Um, and uh, more than anything else, the fact that it was a freely available resource I, was really important to me. And I wanted mm -hmm. to promulgate that. Um, and I've gotten pull requests from other people saying, hey, there's a little bit better way to do this. You might consider doing it this way, or this was a little confusing. How about this? Or even just grammar and, and you know typos fixes, which I am a lousy editor. So uh, <laughs> I do my best, but, but boy, I just suck at that. I adore editors for what they can do. That's super cool. And I know for me, uh, I've been doing a, a little side app uh, that use a fair bit of Combine, and I used using Combine uh, as a resource. So thank you for that. Uh, it was it was hugely helpful for me just to kind of like understand what some of the pieces are and how they work together. Um, I'd used RX Swift a little bit, mostly out of being forced to um, at my last <laughs> job, and never really grokked it. Um, and they use some of the more esoteric parts of RX Swift, and so it's yeah. like kind of going from zero to jumping into the deep end. And if you don't know how to swim, you're you're not doing well in that that end of the pool. Um, yeah, unfortunately, with the reactive frameworks, any of them, it doesn't necessarily need to be Combine or, or RX Swift. Uh, you know, all the other languages have them too. Um, it's mm -hmm. easy to be too clever by far uh, and yeah. just obtuse as hell. And I found myself leaning on some of the conveniences that Combine gives you, like uh, at published. Publi published is fantastic. It makes it so easy <laughs> yeah. just to like create a stream of stuff and. If you care about something being a stream, just you can just use the property as normal because it's a property wrapper. And if you want to actually observe the stream or do something with the stream, you can do something with the stream. But it's so nice. Um, yeah. And that was something that was missing from RX Swift and and helping me understand it. Um, so I'm I'm happy that like mine has that operator, even if I couldn't use it in the the other side of the of the of the frameworks. Right. Well, even using RX Swift back in the day, a lot of folks were starting from kind of a deficit because none of the other built-in frameworks, Coco or UIKit or anything else, really took advantage of that or exposed the right hooks. So you mm. had to do some pretty serious bit twiddling to kind of get down there and <laughs> link into the things to get what you want. Um, and mm -hmm. it wasn't until Swift UI came out that it really started to form up and, and be a reasonable way to attack a problem, I think. Have you found a good way to go through and debug combine or reactive code in general? Because it's kind of, if you breakpoint in one of the operators, it's kind of a <laughs> mess of closure callbacks. Oh, and yes, so you it lose is. some of the scope around you one that you may not have captured in your closure itself. Do you have any tips or ideas on how to go through actually debugging or in stepping through combined stuff? Uh, yeah, there's actually a couple different techniques you can use. And I saved the debugger for actually a last resort. The vast majority <laughs> of things that I've run into, or at least that I screwed up is really what it amounts to, when setting yeah. up combine is misunderstanding or not understanding what's happening with the data that's flowing through it, or setting up the, the pipeline, uh, the set of combine publishers and operators um, together. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful operator that they put in there called print. 
and it is a godsend. And yeah, it's just, you know, print logging, if you will. Oh, but it's an actual seeing, operator? It's an actual operator. And you can add a little text string to it. You can add it into different pipelines. If you have multiple pipelines, you're trying to coordinate them, trying to understand who's doing the request and how much demand is being asked, how many responses were given and when. Um, it provides all that on the console. And it is a godsend to debug that setup. Oh, that's... Fascinating, because I've done some of the print debugging just inside of the closures, but not as an actual like operator. If I'm yep. understanding what an operator is, like where you have your chain of things, including like your map and your flat map, then you might do a print in the middle, and then that is just like a pass through. You got right? it. Yes, that's, that's it. Exactly. There's a whole section in debugging Combine, actually, in the using Combine stuff. And I talk about the print operator there, among some other pieces. There's some other techniques you can use that are more effective one way or the other but the print one is is usually my go-to for did i screw this up or is this you know at least operating the way i want and i need to go look at a closure for what i messed up oh cool because oftentimes i would just try to set a breakpoint in a closure as you do normally and i'm like oh i don't have any of the scope that i need around here to make this useful yes it, it hides a lot of scope of everything else that's above and beyond where you are mm -hmm. within that closure it's both a good thing, I guess, and a bad thing. It, it, it makes it hard to debug from a holistic point of view, but at least it, you know, you know, it's encapsulating the scope properly, which is not mm -hmm. positive. That's true. That's true. Cool. Um, so we also got some questions from uh, Xcoder Tim Eckel. Uh, he's curious <laughs> about testing uh, with Combine, and. First of all, wondering about uh, test, XE test expectations and how we leverage that and wait for timeout, which gets through things mm -hmm. like callbacks and dispatch queue things. But how else would you go about testing asynchronous bits using Combine? It's difficult. So there's two ways <laughs> that I've found that, are, that I used to do it. Um, one is a library that somebody else has made, Tristan, uh, named Entwine, which has a test scheduler, which is basically a clone of the RX Swift test scheduler. So you can control mm -hmm. all aspects about what's happening in terms of the publisher and subscriber and let it, you know, have it advance. And you can do things like really test what the result of bounce and throttle and, you know, the time out, the time manipulating pieces, what they do and how closely they do it. Uh, and it's exquisite for that, but it's, it's a little more overhead to set up. You can mm -hmm. also use test expectations. Um, and, then what I generally do is either set up a subject where I'm uh, imperatively in the test code sending in values, and then I enqueue, uh, you know, with a weight in it. So send mm. this after one millisecond, send this after 50 milliseconds, send this after 100 milliseconds, and send in a series of values um, to drive the queue and then do the expectations for what comes out at the end, and then fulfill the expectation either in the sync or the failure, if I'm expecting a failure. Hmm. Okay. Is that how you would also test timing? Could you say after, um, after one second, or sorry, I want to admit a value that's not before one second and not after two seconds, so somewhere between one and two seconds. Would you test timing in that same kind of manner? I did, exactly. Uh, in fact, I had a blog post a little while ago, it still gets a lot of attention, that was some nitty gritty detail about throttle and debounce uh, because in one of the beta versions, they changed how they operated and it was <laughs> confusing to me. And all of a sudden the tests I'd written had broken. I'm like, what's going on here? Um, oh, and I geez. did that with this ex test expectation and a timeout 
Um, the downside of all this is that it takes as long as your test, you know, however that, that expectation is, it takes that long to run that test. So they're not sure. fast tests. Uh, the test scheduler can go faster than real time, if you will. But this slows mm -hmm. it down to just whatever it is executing, and it takes advantage of the main loop thread to send out the things in the test to make it happen. But yeah, I could imagine running those kinds of tests on a regular interval in CI, for instance, and say these are going to be like our daily jobs to make sure that something's not broken as opposed to like on every commit, on every PR, that kind of thing. Well, you can go look at it for yourself. There's the repository for um, my using Combine book, which is called SwiftUI Notes. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. I was going to do that on SwiftUI to begin with. <laughs> Everybody's like, Joe, what the hell? Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can check out and pull up the, the project there and run the tests. And those are all the tests that I used to figure out how this stuff worked. And a lot mm -hmm. of them use that very technique, XE test expectation, the wait for timeout, a subject or not, uh, bounced it back and forth depending on what I was trying to test, either the mm -hmm. publishers, the chain or the sync, managed to make it work pretty well. Nice, I'll definitely put links to this stuff in the notes as well so everybody listening can go and check that out for themselves. Because you, you said it's open source, right? Yeah, yeah, totally open. Cool, and actually that, that brings up an interesting uh, side question that I had is what was it like writing the book and developing this material against something that's in beta? <laughs> you know, I get a lot of people telling me, you know, never write tests against the framework. And I'm like, you know what? No, that's not going to happen. We're going <laughs> to write a lot of tests against the framework. And I'm sure that I just reproduced a bunch of work that other people had done, you know, inside Apple or whatever else, but we're never going to see that. So mm -hmm. I wanted to have my own way of verifying it. So I just wrote a bunch of tests. And this goes back to some advice that I got uh, prior to ever moving to Seattle. If you want to learn something, pop open your unit test and just start writing against it. And I've done this in a bunch of different languages. So I just applied it on Swift too. Was it kind of nerve wracking or tension filled anytime a new beta of Xcode would come out and be like, Oh no, what did they change this time? No, actually it wasn't. It was, uh, it was for a, a beta set of frameworks. It was surprisingly stable. It's been very robust through the whole thing. There were some quirks and some gotchas, but they were really actually fairly minimal. And just like this last WWDC, there wasn't a whole lot of changes to it, just a few things. Um, it's been really rock solid. Uh, I kind of, I, I hope, I expect that Apple has their own internal equivalent of this Entwine library that I would have wished that they would have published, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we'll make do. Um, it would make it a little bit easier, I think, to really wrap it around there and record stuff. And you'll see people at different talks talking about how they made their own recorder and verified the values that came out, things like that. And I did kind of stupid bastardized versions of the same things uh, <laughs> in my own testing, but there's nothing formal for it. Cool. I'm, I'm super thankful that you were able to come on and uh, this was a lot of fun. You're very welcome. And thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next month.